I'm going to read from the Gospel of John today, chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Lord, I pray again uh, that you would speak to us today. I pray you speak uh, from your word. Lord, I ask that uh, you would speak through me. I pray that every word that comes from your heart uh, would pierce our hearts change our lives. And anything, Lord, uh, that is not from you, I pray it would fall to the ground like dust and be blown away. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hope you guys are doing well. Fall has jumped into our lives. It seems like weather has shifted. Maybe it's fall. Auburn beat Georgia yesterday. Oh, that was Georgia State? Oh, okay. My bad. As close as we're going to get. Everybody wants to know why they're here. Everybody wants to know that they matter. And we ask questions like, who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Unfortunately, we live in a society that teaches us that identity comes from activity. Uh, that identity, your identity comes from what you do. We even ask questions like, you know, when we meet somebody, you know, where are you from? What do you do? What's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? What's your daddy do? What's your mama do? Yeah, we just, that's what we ask. That's how we feel like we can get to know someone is finding out what they do. Now, I'm, I'm not against doing, not at all. Uh, in fact, my favorite quote, you know, is Banning Leapshire. The difference between pe- uh, people who do stuff and people who don't do stuff is that people who do stuff, do stuff. I love that quote. I'm adding to it, though. I heard a quote this past week. Melissa and I were at a conference, and I heard a quote. J.D. Walt said it. I don't know if it's original with him, but it goes something like this. Anything that's worth doing is worth doing poorly. (laughs) Anything that's worth doing is worth doing poorly. Do you have any idea how many good things are never tried because we're afraid that we can't do it perfectly? Yeah, let that soak in. Some of you were just thinking, oh, no, 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 Tom. It goes like this. Anything that's worth doing is worth doing well. Well, I would just add eventually. 
eventually. But let's just not wait until we are convinced that we can do it perfectly before we even try. So I'm not against doing, I love doing. I am against the idea that what you do defines you. I believe that what you do comes out of your identity, it doesn't create your identity. Identity is, is kind of a big deal. You know, knowing who you are, uh, everybody wants to know an answer to the question of why me, why now, why here? You, you may be even asking that question about yourself right now, or even today. You know, why, why am I here in this place right here today? What, what do you have for me, God? Is there something you want to say to me today? Uh, there are way, many, way too many people who are asking the right question, but going to the wrong place to get the answer. Uh, the truth is, knowing who you are is really important. In fact, it's one of the most important uh, things, most important questions that you will ever answer is, who am I, why am I here, and do I matter? Uh, some have put a lot of thought in, into this. Some, some of you have. Some of you put a lot of thought, a lot of research into this. You've read books even. Uh, you've asked questions, you've met with people. Maybe seen a counselor just trying to figure out who am I and, and why am I here and is there a, a purpose for me? Uh, your identity, your meaning, your purpose, your, your destiny do not come from the mind of the creation. So you can ask 10,000 people and, and some of them may point you in the right direction. But ultimately, your identity comes not from the mind of the creation, but from the heart of the creator. Uh, your identity is rooted in who God is and who he says you are. Uh, one of the problems that we have in, in the church today is that uh, we try to make everything in Christianity, an intellectual pursuit. Uh, we read and we ponder in order to understand. And, and there's not anything necessarily wrong with that. That's really good, actually, for some things, but it's really inadequate for other things. Uh, for example, you can read and you can ponder, you can even meditate about marriage for the rest of your life. Until you're married, you're not gonna get it. <laughs> and it's the same way in our relationship with God. There is an elemental aspect of relationship with God that cannot be understood apart from experiencing Him, knowing Him. You can know a lot about God without knowing Him. The Pharisees, y'all, and we, we have this image of the Pharisees. We think that they were just awful, horrible people. They actually were maybe the best people of their day. Except for one thing. They didn't really know God. They knew about him. They knew just enough about God to be religious. And unfortunately, in, in the church today, a lot of us, have landed there. There is a place within you and a place within me, a deep place 
that only God can touch. And that is the place where our identity is formed because your identity is not found in how you feel about yourself. It's not found in what you think about yourself, but your identity is established. It is actually declared from the heart of God, what he says about you, the Father's heart, what he thinks about you, how he feels towards you, and even what he is and was willing to do to assure that you could be with him. Uh, Some of us establish our identity based on things that we felt or experienced when we were teenagers. That's really bad news for me. That that would not be a good thing. If If I tried to live out of an identity that was discovered or established as a teenager, I I would be a hot mess. I have my parents so much on edge as a teenager that it's a wonder they were able to function at all. Uh, You can ask any of my brothers, I I have three brothers and two sisters, you ask any of the five uh, who the black sheep of the family was, and they they won't even hesitate. Uh, They will tell you, you know, it wasn't even that everybody else was gray. Uh, I was so, yeah, it, it was me. I win, I win the prize. Uh, you don't want to go back to your teenage years to figure out who you are. Things that you felt or experienced back then. You, you want to go further than that. And I think if you go a little bit further than that, you know, if you could remember the day you were born, for most of us, that it would change how we see ourselves if we could go back and see the day that we were born and how how we were looked at by our parents and and the way that we were greeted into the world. For most of us, that would be great. But honestly, if we really wanted to have a clear picture of our identity, we would have to go back even further than that. We would have to go back further and we would have to realize that even before the foundations of the world, Jesus was slain for our sins to create a way for us to be with him. Before you were born, before you were even a twinkle, in daddy's eye, God had a plan for you. And that plan involved his son. Uh, We want to matter. We want to be desired. We want to be treasured. And sometimes in our search for identity, we only go back so far as the place of our worst sin. And, And we think that in that moment, of salvation, when we repented and we met Jesus for the first time, that that is where our, established, where our identity was established. And I just wanna say that that may be the place when you began to walk in it. But your identity in him was established even before that. In the beginning, God made humanity for himself. He created us for him. We are made for him. We, are, we were his. We got lost and he pursued us, bought us back, and invited us home. Everybody wants to be pursued. We, we want to be picked, don't you? You ever stood on the playground? They were choosing teams. You want to be the first one picked. Have you ever been the last one picked? 
That's not fun. Before the game even started, before they, anybody else even knew there was going to be a game, before any playground had ever been made or built, God chose you. He chose you. Listen, before Adam and Eve, God chose you. How do I know that? Because the Bible says it. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was slain for your sins and for mine. We all want to be pursued. We want to be picked. We want to be chosen. We want somebody to care enough to seek us out. S.J. Hill, in his book, Enjoying God, says this. Believers were never made for a program, an institution, or a weekly pew-warming ceremony. The human heart was made for passion. It was created for relationship. It was designed to experience the fullness of God. Your pursuit for purpose, for meaning, for identity, is not found in something or somewhere It is found in someone. It is found in Jesus. Augustine said said it this way, I came to love you late, O beauty so ancient and so new. I came to love you late. You called me. You shouted to me. You broke past my deafness. You bathed me in your light. You wrapped me in your splendor. You sent my blindness reeling. You gave out such a delightful fragrance, and I drew it in and came breathing hard after you. I tasted, and it made me hunger and thirst. You touched me, and I burned to know your peace. Augustine, he had encountered a God who was more than just a thought, more than just a theory, but a real living, breathing, and loving God. A God who longs for us to enjoy him. He wants us to find our very life in him. And too often, instead of finding our identity and finding our life and finding our purpose in relationship with him, we look for substitutes. We look for other things and we fill our lives sometimes with good things, just not God. Isaiah 29, 13 says, these people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Our identity is found in the fact that the creator thought that we were redeemable. Make no mistake, you haven't fooled him. None of us have fooled him. He he knows who we are. When David prays, search me, oh God, God doesn't go, oh wow, never thought of that. He already knew. That was for David. It wasn't for God. God knew David. God knows you. He knows me. 
Your identity is found in the fact that the creator thinks that you're redeemable. He wants you back. And he was willing to pay the highest price to get you. Our identity is not determined by what we do. It's not even determined by what we do for him. Our identity comes first from who he is and then who he says that we are. Martin Luther once said of Christians, we have just enough religion to make us feel guilty about our sins, but not enough to enjoy life in the Spirit. The message of the cross is simply this. We were his. We got lost. He bought us back. He invited us home. That's our identity. Our identity is found in the fact that the creator of everything would go to every extreme, stop at nothing to create the possibility of you and me being with him. Now, at this point, we remember what he said. If we believe, he gives us the right to be children of God. And we think about Jesus at his baptism. We, we've mentioned it so many times. Uh, that when the Father speaks, when Jesus comes out of the water and the heavens open and the Father speaks and he says, this is my son, I love him. He pleases me. And, and that is a part of our identity. We are sons and daughters, right? Do your head like this. We are, we're, we're sons and daughters, but, but I, wanna, I wanna suggest to you today that, that that's not all we are. It's not all that we are. We are sons and daughters, but guess what else? We're brothers and sisters. We're brothers and sisters, and, and I wanna suggest to you today that that's every bit as much a part of our identity as being sons and daughters because we are a part of God's family. That's our identity. I, I have, as I mentioned earlier, three brothers, two sisters. I, my brother, I have a brother who's a preacher. Um, I, I'm a preacher, apparently. Um, I have a brother who's a lawyer. And my mom said to me recently that she thought it was perfect that she have two preachers to try to keep her out of trouble and a lawyer in case we failed. <laughs> We're all different. We have my, I have a sister who's a school teacher. She's 64 years old and rides a motorcycle. <laughs> I have a sister who taught me accounting in four days. I needed, she's a bookkeeper. I needed to make 100 on my accounting final to get a C. Whoops. I made 115. She did such a good job, my professor called me in because he thought I cheated. He said, how'd you make 115? I said, my sister taught me the class in four days. I think I hurt his feelings. He said, I would give you a B but I'm going to give you a C. You know why? And I said, I really don't care. <laughs> he said, this class met 39 times and you came 19. I said, I'll take the C. 
We're all different. My siblings and I, we're, there are so many things about us that are different, but you know what? There, there are so many things about us that are the same. In our town, we, if we walk down the street, they go, there goes Tanner. They, just, they know, they see us from a distance. We walk the same way. We just walk the same way. There are things about us that are the same, and there are things about us that are the same. There, there are things about us that are different, but there are things about us that are the same. My mom will tell you straight up, if you ask her, what is the thing in this life that has given you the most joy, I know what her answer will be because she has told me this every time I have talked with her on the phone for the last 30 years. Before we hang up, she always says, you know, the thing that gives me the most joy is that I have grown children who love each other. I think she's a lot like God. We're a part of a family. And Jesus even said, they're gonna know you're mine by the way you love each other. They're going to know that you're mine by the way you love each other. He, he also said, greater love has no person than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another the way I have loved you. Sin is by nature inward. It really is. Even, even when it expresses itself outward, it, it is by nature inward. And last week, uh, Austin said beautifully that, that sin is missing the mark, and it is. A lot of times we miss the mark because we misidentify the mark. A lot of times we miss the mark because we don't know what the mark is. And, and if you are a part of or attend a church primarily to have your needs met, you've probably missed the mark. You've probably misidentified the mark. Church family is made up of brothers and sisters. We're different, but we're the same. We're called to love each other. You know why? Because we're the hope of the world. We really are. That's the assignment. That's the call that God has given us. And when the world looks at us and sees us divided and judgmental and expressing hatred for each other, it's confusing. You know, it used to be that the message of the church was considered pious and restrictive. And today, the message of the church is considered hateful and dangerous. Maybe the place to start in fixing that is in our own house. To love again. To be unified. Not, not to be uniform to be unified, to gather together around the cross. You know, we, we live in some pretty dismal times. 
Sorry if that shocked you. We live in some pretty dismal times. We do. The world is divided. The church is divided. There's a lot of anxiety out there. Austin talked last week through some statistics out us that, at us that are just, just eye-popping. The anxiety and, and the, the anger that's out there. And if you look at all of the things that are on the surface today, it would be easy to lose hope, except for one thing. We serve a God who makes dead things live. We serve a God who with a word makes dead things come to life. It's not always easy for us. It's not, Jesus said, in this life you'll have trouble. But he also said he would never fail. He'll never fail. Sometimes we'll have to go through hard things. But we have a promise from God. We have a promise from God that his church will last and the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. It's not gonna happen. And he says that to those who endure to the end, he will give crown of life. We are sons and daughters, make no mistake. You are a son, you are a daughter. And his message over you is, this is my son, this is my daughter. I love them, they please me. But his call also is, these are my children, I love how they love. I love how they love me, I love how they love each other, I love how they love the lost. That's his call. Now, before we go into ministry time, I'm gonna show you a quick clip. I love movies, I'm a movie guy. Um, some of my favorite movies my wife hates. It's just the way it is, man. Um, but this is not a clip from, from one of those. <laughs> this is, I would have to say, this is my favorite clip from any movie ever. But it's not an easy clip to watch. So I just throw that at you. It's not an easy clip to watch. And so if you have to look away, you can look away, but you need to listen, okay? Y'all ready?
our teams to come, and while they're coming, I want to say this. Um, the cross is real. It's real. That's a cross. That's not the cross. The cross. The one that Jesus carried. The one that he hung on. The one that he died upon is real. It was painful. It was excruciating. And he did that so that you could be with him. But he also did it so that we could be together. He, he never called us to isolate, to be individuals. He called us to be a part of a family. And his cry for us today is, I am most excited when my children Love me and love each other. He said it. The world will know your mind by the way you love each other. If we can get that right, loving God, loving each other, everything else will fall in place. I promise you, it will. Loving God, loving each other, everything else come into focus. Now let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for family today, and we thank you that you have called us, invited us to be a part of your family. I pray that you would give us eyes to see each other the way you see us. I pray that you would pour your love into us and through us so that when the world looks at us, they would know that we belong to you because of the way we love each other. We can't do it. You know we can't do it. We can only do it surrendered to you. We give ourselves to you today again. We surrender to you again. And we say, fill us, love us, love through us. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got some awesome teams up here today who are ready, excited about praying for you. Uh, I encourage you to come, no matter what your need. If you need physical healing today, they would love to pray for you. If you need spiritual healing, they would love to pray for you. If you need to respond to something that's been said today, they're here for that. If you have never said yes, you've never given your heart to Jesus, uh, any of these teams would love a chance to pray with you and, and lead you into a relationship with him. Won't you stand? We're going to worship for a bit, and I encourage you to come and come quickly.